What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Nutra Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala. Phil, it's my lunch break right now uh, for high school, and it was nice of them to let me do a quick little podcast, um, but we'll have to hurry it up because I got to get to fifth period soon. I thought that you had fifth period off this semester. No, it's back. It's <laughs> no. back. So no more off-campus lunches. No, I'm not that old yet. Next next year, hoping to get my permit and I'll be able to drive off campus and get some lunch, but maybe from King Supers could pick up a nice sandwich or something. Eric, you're referring to the Twitter and YouTube commenters that have indicated that maybe uh, you don't seem old enough to have a full-time job. Yeah, I think maybe they're going to report you to Child Protective Services or something along those lines for making me consistently do these videos and these podcasts with you. Yeah, they said, Phil, I looked 15, but I sounded like I was 30. Kind of interesting. Exactly. I thought that 30 was pretty generous for the voice. (laughs) Yes, certainly. But, you know, it may not pay off for me right now, of course, while I'm in my teens, but down the road, Phil. I can only hope to look as good as you do right now in your 70s. That's truly kind of the thing I'm striving for. Yes. Uh, A lot of skincare regimen. You know, it takes me two and a half hours to get ready for sleep. So, right. You have to plug in. (laughs) Exactly. Must recharge. Yes, exactly. Uh, Eric, uh, uh, we don't have that much time to be too silly on this episode because the Broncos have hired their new general manager, George Payton, coming in to uh, help get this team back to the playoffs. We're going to be talking about our initial reaction to the news. You know, George Payton has had plenty of opportunities in the past to become a general manager, very coveted name amongst personnel people in the NFL the Broncos able to land him. We'll talk about our reaction. And then we'll also uh, dive into what we think he meant by a couple of things he said in his statement. One, he said that the Broncos are a sleeping giant. Uh, What do we think he meant by that? And also, what do we think his philosophy might be uh, for the way that he likes to build a team and maybe some of his plans some of his priorities moving forward with the Broncos. So uh, a know, sleeping giant, Phil is that's what I call you on the charter flight. When you take a little nap. Yeah. You know, when you work hard, you got to recharge and uh, you know, yeah. that's what I do when I'm on a plane <laughs> sleeping giant. Although I don't think I snore. Eric. No, no, that's, you know, specifically not allowed. It would, that would be embarrassing. Turbulence for everybody. <laughs> exactly. That would be really embarrassing. Um, Eric, so with that, let's just uh, dive in here and uh, talk about our initial reaction here when we found out on Wednesday morning that uh, the Broncos had indeed landed what many thought the person they many people thought were their top target. Yeah, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, from the standpoint of he's the guy with the most experience out of the ones out of the candidates that they interviewed. 
Um, they narrowed it down to him and Terry Fontenot. You know, according to a lot of reports, those were the final two people they interviewed. We know Fontenot is an assistant GM. Um, you know, Peyton is the same. He was a vice president with Minnesota, had spent the last three years as a, a vice president, and I believe the last seven as an assistant GM. So he's had a lot of time here to really hone a lot of these skills that he's needed for this role, whether that's, you know, working on trades, salary cap, um, scouting college players, scouting pro players, managing those departments. Uh, I think, Phil, there's this sense that you come in and it's about, you know, do you know how to pick a quarterback? And in some ways, that is important. I mean, of course it is, but there's so much else that goes along with this job. And the fact that I'll go back to this probably again and again, the fact that they didn't interview any former GMs made it really necessary for whoever they picked to have as much experience as possible working alongside a GM. Uh, We know the sort of respect he has uh, for Chris Spielman. And, you know, I, I do think in terms of the options they had, the options they went forward with, uh, George Payton made a lot of sense. I agree with you, Eric. I mean, the the job really takes a, a certain level of experience, knowing how to manage people. I think more than anything, you're talking about a huge staff that works under a general manager. So being able to know what's going on with the pro side, what's going on with the college side, how to manage all these different people, and ultimately how to draft and and build a roster through free agency and and trades. That's what they're looking for. And, you know, there were some people who thought, hey, maybe this Broncos team, maybe where the organization was right now, they couldn't get a guy like George Payton. You know, he had interviewed at a couple of other position, you know, other teams around the league. And, uh, you know, there were some question marks about how desirable this job was. You know, they said, oh, well, this person's going to have to come in and work under Elway. This person's already going to have their head coach in place with Vic Fangio. You know, um, obviously there's some ownership questions uh, long term with the Broncos here. So people thought maybe you couldn't get a top guy like George Payton, but the Broncos got it done. And I thought that was really impressive. The team that interviewed Peyton consisted of John Elway, Joe Ellis, Vic Fangio, and Patrick Smythe. Uh, They were able to sell him on the Broncos. And it was even reported on Wednesday that uh, George Peyton spent some time with Brittany Bolin talking about the legacy of uh, the, the winning tradition in Denver. And I thought, you know, that is what must have sold George, you know, he came in for a second interview on Tuesday, got to see the facility. You know, I think the Broncos facility is top notch, you know, and we always know that, you know, uh, that the Broncos will do whatever it takes to put uh, the capital in, in place to to win football games. So those kind of things and the fan base, I think, uh, certainly must have uh, made an impression on Peyton. Yeah, I do want to correct myself real quick. I said Chris Spielman. Rick Spielman, of course, is a Vikings GM. Chris Spielman heading to Detroit. Um, but no, Phil, I like what you said. They also made a commitment to him. Reportedly, it's a, a six-year deal, um, which should probably help ease any concerns there might be over whatever ownership situation kind of uh, carries on over the next year or so. Uh, and Phil, in addition to all the, all the things you've mentioned about why maybe there were concerns about could you get a guy like George Payton, I'll give you this too. The Broncos have, they've missed the playoffs the last five years. I know that we take for granted that the Broncos are a championship organization and will return to that level at some point, but there's not a lot of teams around the league right now. You know, there's teams with longer playoff win droughts, but 
there's very few teams that have missed the playoffs that many times in a row. Uh, the Broncos have not really even been close since 2016. You don't know necessarily, uh, you know, if Peyton believes in Drew Locker. Certainly the Broncos have had not, not had consistent quarterback play. And you look around the league at some of these openings for both head coaches and GMs. There are more appealing situations, I think, for in terms of quarterback play. And so you look at all that and you say, you know, Denver could be considered a really difficult place to come in and, and help win, especially with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as good as they are. And so I think it speaks to, um, again, the selling job that Joe Ellis, John Elway, Vic Fangio and Patrick Smythe did, but also that George Payton kind of sees enough in place in terms of resources, uh, commitment desire to to be great here fan base all those things you mentioned that all of those things outweighed what's probably going to be a pretty immense challenge and i think that part of his interview process you mentioned there about drew lock he needed to share what his vision was for the broncos and a lot of that probably came down to what he thought about vic fangio as a head coach what he thought about the roster moving forward and uh you know, whatever John Elway and, and that group was able to tell him sold him. But, you know, he's got a, a big job on his hands. You know, Eric, uh, there's a major decisions coming up here with uh, Justin Simmons and Vaughn Miller. You know, he's got to make, you know, some some moves there and he's got to figure out the quarterback position. And, you know, I'm not sure how Drew Locke has approached these things. We haven't had a chance to talk to him since John Elway announced that he's going to be moving into this new role. Um, I just wonder how he feels, you know, at this point. I wonder if uh, George has uh, reached out to him since accepting the job. You know, uh, I'm not sure about those things. And it looks like we're going to be able to uh, hear from Peyton next week when he's introduced officially. Um, But, you know, those are big things. And you hope that Peyton's track record speaks for itself and that he's going to be able to make the right decisions when it comes to those things. You never quite know how an organization is run. Obviously Rick Spielman is one of the more respected guys in the NFL at, at, you know, leading a personnel department. So you wonder, okay, you know, Peyton has obviously worked with him for years and years and years. He must have had a very similar philosophy and ways to build teams must share the same goals and vision as a guy like Spielman. So you hope that some of the decisions that the Vikings have made over the last, you know, several years, they've drafted more pro bowl players in the last 10 years than any other team in the NFL. So, uh, um, you know, you hope that that kind of pedigree, he's going to be able to bring it to Denver. Yeah, and here's a couple of reasons why I'm encouraged, Phil. I'll start with the fact that Minnesota's been in the same situation, essentially, that Denver's been in. They're in a division with Aaron Rodgers, who is arguably a top five quarterback of all time, that we know when healthy, Phil, Rodgers has dominated that division. And yet the Vikings have still found a way to win two division titles over the last five years, to win, to get to an NFC championship game, to get to another NFC championship game in the late 2000s. Um, you know, so the fact that they found a way to build a roster to compete with a team and a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, that's encouraging to me. And the other element of that is that they've gone through some different quarterbacks here. I think four different quarterbacks have led them to the playoffs. And there's two things about that that encourage me. One, the year after they went 13 and three with Case Keenum, they upgraded. They said, 
you know what, we were a really good team, but we want to take the next step to being a Super Bowl contender. We've got to add somebody that we think is better. That was Kirk Cousins. I think he's had the seventh best passer rating over the last three years. People are obviously very split on Kirk Cousins and the type of quarterback he is, but there's no question that that was a, a big move to make. Obviously, the Broncos, I think, were interested in Kirk Cousins to some degree that offseason. Um, and so that shows me he's not afraid to make that big move. The second thing would be, Phil, is they've still managed to make the playoffs even when they haven't had a huge name at quarterback. And so I saw a tweet today that it's encouraging that maybe maybe the Broncos' search for a, a long-term 10-year Patrick Mahomes type guy isn't quite over next year or the year after Peyton has shown in Min in Minneapolis that they've still been able to make the playoffs with that kind of stop bridge or gap quarterback. The Broncos have not been able to do that with Trevor Simeon, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, uh, the Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch mix in 2017. So to me, it's encouraging that the rest of the roster around him can be built good enough and they can evaluate quarterbacks in terms of who can be good enough to get you to the playoffs, even if it's not like the long-term guy. And they have continued to try, you know, like they got brought in Brett Favre, you know, and that worked for a little bit. Then they drafted Teddy Bridgewater. That worked for a while until he got injured. Um, they've gone through different guys, Case Keenum, um, Bradford, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford, and then obviously Kirk Cousins now. So Christian Ponder. Know, Christian Ponder for a little bit. They've also gone through. So th that tells me a couple of things. One, he's not afraid to try, but on the flip side, it's they've not been able to lock down that, that future guy for a long time, unless cousins is that now, but um, you know, they haven't been able to fix that position essentially for an extended period of time, but they've still found a way despite not fixing it long-term to win and get into the playoffs which is something the Broncos have not been able to do. And I think I'd be the first one to say, Phil, if you could guarantee a wild card berth next year, but say, hey, you don't quite know who the long-term quarterback is, this this franchise, this city, the fan base, I think people just want a taste of the playoffs again. And that's important to keep everybody locked in and engaged. And really the key to stability, Phil, because you go four or five years without playoffs, it ends up in a changing of the guard. If you go wild card, a division title every couple of years, that's enough to keep people in place. And then you just hope you're able to, to make a run at a trophy at some point. Yeah. And I do think that deciding to go with Peyton among that group of candidates there uh, really tells you that they valued his experience and his expertise in talent evaluation. And that that was the kind of GM that they wanted. They wanted a guy who has done this for a long time, has bring some stability. You know, I think he'd been in, in uh, Minnesota for what, 14 years. So somebody yeah. who is, uh, you know, stable and, and just brings that kind of a background versus some of these other guys who maybe don't have quite the resume that uh, Peyton brings. So it kind of tells you that they were looking for a fresh set of eyes to come in and examine things and maybe bring a fresh approach to the way that the Broncos have been doing things the last couple of years here. No, definitely. And, I, you know, I don't want to downgrade the possibility that Terry Fontenot would have been a really good candidate as well. I think that he had and not that you're doing that. Um, some people are saying, Phil, I'm not doing that. Just I'm just uh, giving you a hard time. But no, I think he he also had the experience um, probably more in the pro evaluation side. Um, but I do think Peyton's vision and we'll talk more about this, Phil, is building a team 
through the draft and not making rash moves that uh, can make or break the team. And so I do think for, especially for a young team like Denver, where you've had a couple of nice draft classes, but you need to continue to stack them. This was a really good choice. I agree. And, you know, uh, we could just move on to our next topic here, uh, Eric. And uh, the Broncos put out a statement on Wednesday. And part of that were some thoughts from George Payton. And one of the things that uh, caught some attention is that he said, quote, I feel like this team is a sleeping giant. For me, it's the right place and the right time for this opportunity. What do you think he meant by that, Eric? I think he means that he sees pieces on this roster that have the Broncos close to returning to playoff contention. And I'm sure somebody, you know, when he talks to the media next week, will ask him directly, how close do you think this team is? Um, because at times, Phil, over the last few years, there's been moments where games, certain games or certain stretches where it seemed like they're close. And then there have been stretches where it doesn't feel like that. Um, but to me, that makes it sound like he sees enough on this roster that he thinks with, it might not be this year. It might not be next year. Who, who knows when it is, but it's, it seems like he sees some foundational pieces in place that the Broncos continue to make the right moves. They can compete with the chiefs. They can compete with teams uh, for the AFC and hopefully a Super Bowl title. Um, to me, Phil, what's interesting is when he says he sees a roster, that's a sleeping giant, which pieces of the roster does he mean? Does that include a Vaughn Miller? Does he say this roster is a sleeping giant because if we get a healthy Vaughn Miller back, we're going to have one of the best pass rush duos in the league. Does he look at Justin Simmons and say it's a sleeping giant because, uh, you know, if we put Justin Simmons back there with another really good cover corner, the, our pass defense can be really good. Does he look at Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay and say, that's a really good duo that just needs time together. It needs to play more often on the field. Uh, those are all things that, I don't know the answer to right now in terms of those individual questions, but to me at least, and maybe you disagree, Phil, but I don't think saying the roster is a sleeping giant necessarily means that every big name player on the Broncos roster is back. It could be that he views a future for this team and thinks it's in a really good position without Von Miller or with a different quarterback. Maybe, maybe he thinks it's a sleeping giant that with the right piece at quarterback, they can go far. And I'm just speculating here, Phil, but I, it's hard to, I think it's clear that he likes what he sees on the roster. I just don't know what it is that he likes. Yeah. There's like about a million questions I'm eager to ask Peyton, <laughs> just because there's so many different things going on with this Broncos team right now. I think simply put sleeping giant means he thinks that this team has the potential to be a giant, which means that he's excited about the, the roster, but it's obviously sleeping because they haven't had this success the last couple of years. So I think that he just means there's potential here, but what does that, what does that mean in terms of specific pieces? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much he tips his hand with some of these things. You know, is he the kind of person who likes to just, you know, wear his emotions on his sleeve? I don't think that that's uh, the type, his type of personality from, from what I've heard. I think he's more of a, I'm going to be pretty low key here. You know, I, I doubt that he's going to come out and say, you know, we're going to get Justin Simmons back. And that's my number one goal is to make sure uh, I'd be pretty surprised if he was that forthcoming right off the bat. Um, but, you know, we, we do want to hear what his vision is for this team. Um, I do think that he's got to have some excitement. Otherwise, he wouldn't have taken the job. So 
I think he must see that there's potential here for maybe if you add a couple pieces here or there, this team could really take off. But obviously to me, and I think to everybody else, that starts with Drew Locke. Yeah, no, I do think that the choice of words is important and it, it infuses some excitement. He could have easily said, you know, this is, this is a roster with some nice young players. That's that's a fact, but it does. I don't think anybody would be fired up being like, we, we wouldn't be talking about that quote, Phil, I don't yeah, think. It was a great quote, yeah. And yeah. so for him to say this is a sleeping giant, I think that gets fans like maybe, hey, this team is in better shape than we thought. And again, we don't know how um, – where he means that in terms of different places on the roster, but you're right, Phil. I, I don't think I think most GMs that are successful tend to, you know, have some sleight of hand tricks. Maybe maybe he says, "Oh yeah, like we we're not sure what we'll do with Justin," and then behind the scenes is hammering out a six year extension. I, I think there's value in not letting your competitors know what you're doing. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, Phil, but I did think it was interesting that during his hiring process from the time he was brought in and there were a couple of hints that like maybe he was the front runner, but from the time he was brought in from the second interview until it was announced around noon on Wednesday, there wasn't anything. There weren't really any leaks there. Adam Schefter didn't come out and say it's trending this way or barring any um, changes, which you often see in a head coach search or a GM search. Someone will come out and say like they're doing it right now in, in Detroit with the Rams uh, director of college scouting saying, you know, barring any changes, he's likely to be the guy. To me, I wonder if that's a George Payton directive of saying, hey, let's keep things close to the vest until this is finalized. And so to me, that would that would speak well of uh, his ability to, to keep things internal. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I'm really interested to know from him is what is that working relationship going to be like with John Elway and Vic Fangio? Because they must share a similar vision for the for the team, for for how to build a, a contender here. But you know, for so long, John Elway's been that guy in Denver, and we know how John Elway likes to. You know, he has he's famous for his one liners after the season. You know, there is no Plan B. We want to win now and from now on. You know, things like that. You know his competitiveness. You and you know he he didn't come out and just tell you exactly you know how what he was thinking. But oftentimes he would just be you know brutally honest. You know at times, and he would also say we want Bond back. You know, like he said that last week. I think the the GM really sets the tone for like how the team is operating. You know, and. Uh, now there's going to be a new guy in charge doing those types of things. And I just wonder how much of the feel around the team is going to change. That's true. And, you know, I think some of it fell too is like, is language you use. John Elway talking about Justin Simmons last year said, he's definitely going to be back one way or another. When he talked about Chris Harris or Derek Wolf, it was, well, we'll have to see like if those guys, like we always want people back, but it's, it's got to be at the right price. It's got to be a two way street. They've got to, John Elway has done this long enough that you could kind of tell that meant Chris Harris and Derek Wolf are probably not coming back. And so, you know, George Payton is going to have his own way of doing these things and hinting at certain things that we'll have to figure out. And that's kind of the fun of it from our side, Phil, is, you know, we get to decipher a statement now and then we get to decipher whatever he says uh, <laughs> early next week or whenever he meets the media. But it uh, should be fun. 
Yeah. Like I mentioned, there's just so many things that you want to hear from him and just, you know, get a sense of what his personality is like, what his, uh, his goals are and just the way he handles tough questions. I mean, he's going to get some tough questions and uh, it's just interesting for the first couple of times to see how he handles some of those things. Yeah. And you know, I, I do think fans seem excited. It is exciting. There are times when you hire a new general manager and it, it represents a change in philosophy, but you know, how, how fired up can you really get? Because it's not a position like head coach where you can come in and make an immediate impact. You know, like there, he's going to make draft picks this year. He's going to sign free agents going to choose who to resign with the Broncos. Those are choices in the moment, but I feel like it could take two or three years before you really see, you know, what does George Payton's fingerprint look like on this team? You know, do you re-sign Cortland Sutton? What does Noah Fant's future look like? What happens long-term at quarterback? Those are all things that are down the road and take years to play out. But I think what's encouraging and exciting for Broncos fans, at least from my perspective, is that this is not a situation like a Jacksonville or a Cincinnati or even a Carolina, I think, where the cupboard was pretty bare of talent and you needed someone to come in and start over. I think you've already taken like the first step or two in the right direction because you have all this young talent on offense. You know, I think a lot of these rebuilding teams would love to come into a situation where you've got Jerry Judy and Noah Fant and uh, KJ Hamler and Cortland Sutton and Garrett Bowles. Like there's there's some good talent there. And so to me, I do feel like you put together one really good draft class and one really good free agent class and see what happens in 2021. To, to me, that's the exciting thing is that one move here or one move there or one decision at the quarterback position or, or Drew taking a step forward, a couple pieces here or there, Phil could, could substantially result or significantly result in a different record. It's very similar to when a college coach comes in and takes over a program you have to be patient and say, let's see what a, a couple of recruiting cycles are like when, you know, how does he go out and recruit players and come in? And then two or three years down the line, their thumbprint is on the program. Very similar in that sense in, okay, he's taken over this team. Let's see how he approaches this off season. And then a couple of moves here or there are really going to dictate things. And some of that starts with the moves he's going to make immediately in terms of putting his staff together, you know, uh, Peyton has never been a GM in this league. So it's not like he's got a bunch of guys right, right away at his disposal that he's worked with for immediately, but I'm sure that there'll be some holdovers from the Broncos. I'm sure that he'll try to pull some guys from Minnesota and uh, maybe some other friends that he has around the league and uh, see what kind of staff he's able to put together. And, you know, is he the kind of guy who likes to, be involved in every decision that's being made? Is he the kind of guy who likes to say, I trust my scouts? How, how does he handle this draft process? Those are all things we're going to learn in the next couple of months. Yeah, I think I would add negotiations in there as well. You know, is he is he calling Justin Simmons as agent himself or does he leave that to, you know, um, either Rich Hurtado or whoever the, the salary cap guy ends up being for the Broncos? Or is he intimately involved in those discussions? Does he call Justin himself and say, hey, I'm here in Denver. I want you here. You've got to be a cornerstone piece. We're going to get this done. You know, I look at a deal. Um, something that encourages me from that standpoint is Delvin Cook wanted a big deal as a running back, Phil. And that doesn't happen a lot. And they got it done. And so to me, that's encouraging for to keep somebody like Justin. But yeah, the, there's so many little things that you just haven't. 
or we haven't thought about over the last decade because it's been the same guy in place and coaches have changed, but that, that sphere of influence only goes so far. This, this position touches so many different areas of the organization that, um, you know, in terms of what we do, Phil, maybe George Payton has a different view on, on team media and is, says, hey, get in the draft room the whole time we're there. You know, we know Minnesota does some good stuff. Maybe that results in different content that we bring to the people listening to this podcast. There's, there's just so many things that uh, will be interesting to see in kind of this new regime. And hopefully he says no more bad takes from Eric Dalala. Yeah, no more neutral zone. Hopefully he'll say, uh, hey, Eric, I know you don't know much about football. Why don't you come spend some time with me this offseason and I can educate you? I will pretend to be as clueless as you if I get to do that. <laughs> uh, Eric, uh, let's uh, move on to our final topic here. And it's a, another comment that uh, – Peyton put in his statement, he said, quote, I believe in hard work, the grind and not taking any shortcuts to achieve our goals. Drafting and developing players is the number one priority. We will be aggressive, but not reckless in adding talent to our roster. That was a tremendous quote in his, in his statement there, Eric, what do, were your takeaways from that? Um, the first, Phil, is that it's a lot – it's very similar to what Vic Fangio said at the end of the season in that what he's looking for is a general manager with a vision who does not stray from that vision and that there are times to take chances, but you can't change course. And I think those are two very different things. You know, Maybe in the draft process, a player you really like is two spots away and you want to trade up and get him. Is that a chance or is that changing course on your entire vision? Well, if it means giving up a fifth round pick, maybe it's worth it. If it means giving up next year's first to get back into the first round to get somebody, that might be changing the course of your roster development. And it's at that point, you've got to stick to, you know, hey, are we one piece away? Are we uh, several pieces away where we just need to be patient and draft? When you look at the good general managers around the league, Phil, it's not that they never take chances. Um, I think some I saw on Twitter, somebody compared – George Payton to Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, who's won an executive, the executive of the year award. He's done a nice job building that roster back up. They've been very cautious with their draft picks. They've kind of stuck to the plan. They make an occasional big move. They sent the first round pick this year for DeForest Buckner, but they have not, you know, they don't sell the farm on any individual move that if it doesn't work out could cripple the organization. And so I think it's reassuring that that's George Payton's kind of stance and, I do read that when he says we're going to be aggressive, but not reckless. Maybe that means you say, you know, if it's maybe that means you're going to go trade for Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan or Deshaun Watson, maybe to him, that's aggressive, but not reckless, but somewhere there's going to be that line. And and I like that there's, there's room to take these chances while not maybe mortgaging the future. Ballard is an interesting comp there just because similar to how things were being run in Minnesota, they haven't had that long-term quarterback where they just have a guy there and you don't have to worry about it. When Andrew Luck decided to retire, did yeah, they had to change some things and they've been able to have success on the field despite not having that guy. And who knows what Philip Rivers' future is like in Indy, but th- there's some similarities there that the roster around the quarterback is very strong and they're able to make the playoffs. And they've done it through the draft. You know, there's been some minor trades here and there, but, you know, you think back to that Sam Darnold trade they made, 
they ended up getting a bunch of picks and um, finding a way to, to build a young roster. And the other similarity feels that Chris Ballard passed up some opportunities too, kind of the same way that George Payton did. And you know, I think if you could sign up for, Hey, if, if George Payton has a success drafting players and creating a roster in that same way, I think that'd be a pretty successful uh, start to his tenure. One thing that we're going to learn about his drafting style is he, is he drafting for need or just best overall talent? Um, whenever the Broncos pick at nine there, Hey, are they looking just at cornerback here and they're going to be maybe reach on a guy just because they know they need some help there. Or are they just going to take a guy who they think is going to come in and make this roster better, no matter where it is. Yeah. And and another draft question that we'll find out is, do you prefer veterans who have proven, who are proven commodities or do you prefer uh, underclassmen with a lot of talent? I mean, we've seen the Broncos kind of transition from one to the other over the last couple of years, even though they did kind of come back and um, try things again with Jerry Judy, who had obviously a ton of potential, but you know, I think that's, that's another thing to watch out for is what type of player is he drafting? Phil, is he drafting for need? Like you mentioned, those will be things to watch. And then the free agency, what is your, you know, do you go out and do you spend really big on proven free agents or do you get guys who are, you know, like a, a Shaq Barrett, for example, a guy who he's shown that he can do it a little bit and you're you're signing him to assume that he can take the next step. What's your strategy there? So all sorts of things we'll kind of figure out. I do think, though, when you look at the really good teams around the NFL, their base is solidified through the draft. They're, they're built yeah. that way. And so to hear him say that's his number one priority is to build through the draft and evaluate players – I think that that's really good. And then also when we do have an opportunity to make a move and be aggressive, we're going to do that too. So I imagine that he's adopted a lot of things from Rick Spielman. I mean, a lot of people might say, well, that's Rick Spielman doing those things. That's not George Payton. You know, how do we know? Well, when they've worked together as long as they have, I think that they're, they've got to be doing things. That's his right, right hand man. You know, they're doing things together. So I, I do think that he's adopted a lot of what Rick likes to do there in Minnesota. And I think that he's going to have his own takes. Maybe he wants to do a few things his own way and he'll have to mesh that with Vic Fangio and John Elway, you know, so you're going to get a little bit of a mishmash of things here because ultimately his job is to find players that are going to fit with what Vic Fangio wants to do. And the relationship between Peyton and Fangio is crucial. No, absolutely. It's going to be a big thing. And that's why it is, I think, so important based on this initial statement that they're on the same page. Um, Yeah, I I think it's reasonable to say that Rick Spielman and and George Payton probably have similar views the same way that if Matt Russell were to return to the NFL, you'd probably expect he'd do a lot of things similarly to John Elway in some ways because they've spent so much time together. Um, I, I do think, Phil, one more point on that statement of we'll be aggressive but won't be reckless. I think it's there are certain teams around the league that are so safe that it feels like they never take those chances. And I know that frustrates fans. You know, there's a big name free agent out there and they're never involved in that pursuit. Or there's a, you know, there's a chance to trade up for that franchise quarterback and they never do it. To me, it's George Payton suggests at least that he'll be involved in those conversations. Maybe he doesn't pull the trigger every time, but we'll kind of be sniffing around, figure out, is this the right move for us? I haven't dug in yet, Phil, on, how much the Vikings have traded up versus trading down. 
the Broncos did not trade up all that much during John Elway's tenure, especially in the first round. It was far more common for them to trade down. Um, the other point about that, Phil, is that John's made a lot of splashes, you know, whether it's the 2014 free agent class, um, getting Paxton Lynch, signing Case Keenum, trading for Joe Flacco. There's a lot of moves where you're like, well, I didn't expect that. And, and it happens. If George Payton is a little more methodical, or maybe there's not a splash every off season, I think fans need to be patient and trust in the process and trust in his vision a little bit and, and give him the benefit of the doubt because just because he, there isn't kind of a, a flashy signing the same way that there is with or has been generally with John Elway, it doesn't mean that this isn't also a, a correct way to build a playoff caliber roster. Eric, that might be one final point here to talk to that we could add on here is how much pressure do you think Peyton is going to face me to have some immediate success here? You know, like you mentioned, there is a, a lot of young talent on this roster. I don't think that Broncos country, definitely not NZ nation, no patience. They want success right away. And, you know, he did sign a six year contract reportedly. And, you know, you would think that, um, he would be, you know, secure in that fact, but that doesn't mean that fans are expecting win. Doesn't mean that fans aren't expecting wins right away. No, and I think, like I mentioned before, Phil, I think there's enough pieces on this team that you can expect some wins right away. You know, I I don't think this roster is close enough to being a one in fifteen or a two and fourteen or three and thirteen team that you're considering like trading away Noah Fant and Jerry Judy and uh, Bradley Chubb and Justin Simmons. Like to me, that doesn't make sense given how many good pieces you have. If you just say you just had Bradley Chubb and Justin Simmons on this roster, and those were the only pieces you had that had promise. Maybe you say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to trade those guys for value and we're going to start all over. That's not the case. This roster has a lot more talent than that. And especially when healthy, I think they can, easily be in that seven to eight win range. And then we see, you know, what, what additional signings or draft picks or whatever are made that can help them get going. So I do think there's a chance for some immediate success, but at the same time, Phil, I don't think that this is a, I think they're going to give George Payton time and give him leeway to develop this roster the way that he wants. And so if he wants to shape it over the next few years, like you mentioned, Phil, a college program, if he wants to shape this into a, a program that's maybe it's no longer based on running the football like the Broncos have tried to be the last few years. Maybe it's a more pass oriented uh, draft players with that skill set, or, or maybe you want to reshape the defense so that you're a more man coverage type team, which I know Vic Fangio uh, runs at times. To me, you're going to get that time because George Payton almost feels like uh, he's going to be this transition between one era and the next where one was with John and with Joe Ellis as president and CEO, and uh, reportedly, according to Nine News, he's going to step away at some point next year. Um, so whoever the, the ownership, however the ownership situation gets resolved, I do think George Payton will be kind of that gap to the next era. And hopefully Vic Fangio is the head coach alongside him. But I mean, if the Broncos go 5-11 and 11 next year, I don't think anyone's going to be calling for George Payton's head reasonably. I mean, we know fans are not always reasonable. But I think you got to give him really three years before you can make a fair evaluation. 
the interesting thing about the the hire, whoever it was going to be, Eric, is that there's this crossover period here where he's not coming in and hiring his own head coach where you feel like this is a fresh start. There's carryover here. And if the Broncos don't see the success that they want next season or the season after that, they won't necessarily be calling for Peyton's head, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on Vic Fangio. So, you know, and then you didn't ask me about that. Well, I'm saying those two are kind of connected, you know, and, and you're bringing in, uh, you know, Fangio was a big part of this hiring process and, you know, it tells you the commitment that the Broncos have made to Fangio to say, Hey, we want you to be a part of this process. We want you to feel, like you're you're gonna bringing in a guy here that's, you know, gonna uh, align with your football vision here, right? Um, I think I agree to some extent. I do think obviously you want whoever they bring in to have to draft players that work in Vic's system, and I think George Payton's gonna do everything he can to help Vic be successful and help this team be successful. In an in an in an ideal world, the Broncos win nine games or ten games, and Vic continues to lead this team and. Um, they're kind of together for the next for, for the foreseeable future. And what I, I think Vic signed a four-year contract, I could be wrong, but you would think that if next season goes well, maybe he signs an extension that kind of matches him up to George Payton. But at the same time, Phil, I do think not involving Vic in that process at all would kind of suggest that the new GM Marty has half, has the head coach's foot halfway out the door, which I don't think is fair. It doesn't set you up for success. So I think it was a good move to involve Vic Fangio. And if things don't work, you know, you've got to figure out where to go next. And obviously I would think that decision would fall in large part on George Payton. Um, But the success in 2021 on the field is not going to impact George Payton's status one way or another. Mm -hmm. It might impact Vic Fangio's status. We haven't heard that necessarily. That's just kind of us speculating based on what we see from other coaches around the league. But I think the hope is, Phil, is that you're able to get enough done this offseason, able to fill some of those holes on defense, able to win some of those close games, get some players back healthy, and that you're talking about a a nine or 10 win season next year. And you're talking about does Vic Fangio get a contract extension instead of, you know, will there be more changes? And, you know, the interesting thing that there's some similarities to Fangio and Peyton in the sense that, Fangio had been around the league forever, just hadn't become a a head coach yet. He becomes a first-time head coach here, but brings a a wealth of knowledge, obviously, from his decades in the NFL. Peyton, very similarly, has been in the NFL for a long time, just hasn't made the decision to take that jump to GM. Now does it here. So while these two are both first-timers at their current positions, they bring in a ton of knowledge and experience. So, you know, one of the things I think that Fangio does really well is player evaluation. You know, he's been able to find these pieces here and there where whether it's a a guy from a different practice squad or it's a guy, a college free agent, he's been able to evaluate talent really well. And it does seem like him and Peyton together are two really experienced minds determining the future of this franchise. And, you know, I think that really sets the Broncos up for a lot of success personally, just having that much knowledge in talent evaluation is tremendous. Yeah. And I think the only reason we're talking about Vic like this is, or even the possibility of what the future looks like is because one, the record obviously, but then there are just reports toward the end of the year that Vic would be safe. And so that 
those the fact that yeah. those reports occur suggests that there was some question. Well, uh, and because though, in a normal situation, you hire a GM and then you hire a head coach. This correct. is a little yeah. bit of an abnormal uh, type of deal here. Right. I, I do think in some ways next year is a, I think we'll get a really good sense of who Vic is as a coach. Um, he did a tremendous job. I thought keeping the team competitive, especially on defense without six Anybody. starters. <laughs> yeah. No cornerbacks. Um, there's, there's areas he needs to improve. I think game management, I think he would agree that there are moments when he could have been better. Um, George Payton helped establish an analytics department in Minnesota. So maybe that's something the Broncos look at beefing up and maybe that goes into to clock management or fourth down decisions or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I think Vic Fangio is, it's clear guys play hard for him. It's clear he's brought some stability to that position. The coaching staff in terms of individual groups is really strong, I think. And so, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write off the fact, and you're not, but I wouldn't write off the fact that Vic could be the coach here for the next several years and they can quickly find success or that even if they go eight and eight, Vic might still be the guy. These are all things to, to consider. The only reason it comes up is like you mentioned, it's, it's an unusual, the timing is a little bit odd. You know, and um, I asked him, I said, Hey, when you are hired, Vic, one of the things that everybody was so excited about was the pairing of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb together, what that pass rush was going to be able to do, considering what Vic has been able to do his entire career with pass rushers. And that has never materialized here. So it's like, we still haven't had the, the ability to really see what Vic can do as a head coach, because there's been so many injuries and all these ups and downs and inconsistent quarterback play, you know, that you just think that, man, once all this just sort of comes together, if it could just somehow click, you'd be fine. Yeah. I do want to caution everybody. And we'll talk about that. We feel we've got eight months before the season started. I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but one thing I've, I've seen is that people say, if this team was just healthy, we would be, you know, they'd be in the playoffs. Every team, it, the injury bug hit the Broncos to a ridiculous degree in 2020, but next year, the Broncos are going to lose guys for the season. It might not be as many. Hopefully it's not as key of players, but some key player, the way that it happens everywhere around the league, some key player is going to be lost. And so you do have to say like, how do we move on? And I get that in 2020, it was to a ridiculous degree, but you know, Vaughn tore his ACL in 2013. That was a big loss. You know what Chris, I believe Chris Harris too, right? Tore his ACL in a playoff game. Right. And, I mean, they and it happens the whole season happens different. Well, but they could have used him in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Um, teams suffer injuries. Teams are without really good players and, and the really, really good ones are still able to find a way. You know, the Packers just lost their left, David Bakhtiari. They just lost their tackle, who was an all-pro. They're going to find a way to still protect Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. And so I do think that at some point, the, in, the, the, the notion that, like, for 16 games, the offensive line is going to be the same the whole time and every skill position guy is going to be out there every game and, uh, you know, the, the defense is going to be at full strength every single week, that's not realistic. And so you've got to kind of realize that at some point you've got to make lemonade. Yes, exactly. But I will say last year was ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I 100% admit that. It was crazy. And particularly to pieces where we thought, okay, let's see what Vic can do with these guys. Yeah. You know, with Vaughn going down, that just, that was an emotional crush. 
you know, and then Cortland Sutton going down, you know, just so much happened. They're all to top players that that is rare. I mean, that is sort of crazy um, that it happened like that. I mean that, and obviously if they had, if Drew Locke played like Aaron Rodgers did, things would be a lot different. So yes, you have to overcome injuries all the time, but the way this Broncos team was constructed this year, they could have used those guys. Drew Locke's development would have been a lot more smooth if Corlin Sutton was out there. You know, that defense, you know, hey, Jarrell Casey goes down, but hey, at least Von Miller's getting after the quarterback. You know, just like these kind of things just really impacted the development of the team. Yeah, that's fair. So, all right, Erica, any shout outs uh, that you want to get to here before we wrap this thing up? We still have to get to our zonies. We have not forgotten about the zonies that'll be next week uh, now that this hire has been made we will get to the zonies we yeah have we haven't forgotten. forgotten have not forgotten um i shout out liz manis i think is important of course um we no word yet on george payton's zoom capabilities for the community but i would imagine probably Tremendous. pretty decent i would, I would bet yeah. yeah i heard that um uh, shout out to George Payton's son, Bo. Bo. I believe that he is a um, high level youth hockey player. Like he's, oh. I heard he's really into hockey. So, wow. There's a strong hockey community here in Denver, obviously. Um, so, uh, hopefully, the transition from some Minneapolis talent coming into the Denver youth hockey scene, Bo Payton might be your guy. Hmm. It's a little deeper than I'm willing to go, but I appreciate you uh, doing that sort of research. Shout out to Elway Steakhouse, where reportedly, <laughs> yeah, Vic had a burger. Had a steak- yeah, Vic had a burger reportedly. What What do you think that tells you about Vic? I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's I couldn't imagine anything like more appropriate. The only thing, like maybe if he was like, "Do you guys have a hot dog?" I could see him <laughs> doing that. Yeah, but it is very obviously funny. some spaghetti and meatballs would would be fitting, but yeah everybody's there in their like suit jackets and eating a nice steak and Vic's just chowing down on a hamburger. Exactly. We don't know what he was wearing though. Maybe you could ask Mike Kliss, Hey, we need some more details. That's true. I could. We've not seen, we've not seen yet. Maybe there's some, maybe there's like a photo or something and we can get that going. Maybe. So shout out to always steakhouse. Everybody got a steak. George Payne got a steak. A wedge salad. Got a nice wedge salad too. Yeah. Also, no word how long they were at dinner either. So Mike needs Ooh, to get on that too. Yeah. Yeah. Dinner started at this time. What did they have to drink? How many rolls did he eat? Yeah. Were there any bathroom breaks? I mean, there's all sorts of questions that Mike has yet to answer. Yeah. That we need him to because Mike is really the only guy on this beat. That's his strong suit. Are the details that are interesting, but you don't really care about? You know. But but their interest, you're like, oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do you think he was there? Do you think he was like in the booth next? No, you know, like I don't think down? so. You don't think I so? I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe he, he's got like a waiter, waiter source. Unless uh, unless Nine News, Phil, is like a much, maybe they just have unlimited uh, paycheck capital available to hand out. You know, in which case you should investigate that. You mean like, yeah, then he could file that as an expense report. He could be like, yeah, oh, exactly. I was stealing my report. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I've been at Elway's every night the last week, just in case they were there. That's good reporting, Eric. You Here's a $2,000 expense report. <laughs> exactly. I might try that next time. Maybe he knows the line cook, you know? That's true. Know. Any any of these are possible. Yeah. He'll never reveal his sources, though. No, then, no. A good R would never do that, and Mike is among the best R's that we know. Yes. Hopefully we'll uh, get a chance to uh, get some of these questions that we have for George Payton. Hopefully we get a chance to ask them, learn a little bit more about the direction that the Broncos are going to be heading here in the near future and also the long term as well. Uh, when we uh, hear from George Payton, when he's introduced next week as the next Broncos GM, but we uh, offered our instant analysis here, some of our instant reaction. And then we uh, dove into a couple of, memorable quotes from his statement, Eric sleeping giant was not talking about me. Could have been nice to get a little shot out there, but I don't think he was talking about me. And also that the Broncos plan to be aggressive, but not reckless moving forward. Yeah. Aggressive. That's kind of like, kind of like your habits at a steakhouse aggressive, but not reckless. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. yeah. You gotta be aggressive. Sometimes it's a little reckless, yeah. but yeah. But uh, mostly just aggressive. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes three sides. You yeah. go for the uh, porterhouse, maybe. It's aggressive, but it's not reckless. The wine. It was the wine, Eric. Tossing a shrimp cocktail, maybe, if we're in Indianapolis for the combine. Get a get a cheesecake going, maybe, afterward. Yeah. For, for, for as many things as I miss about post or pre-pandemic life, going to Indianapolis for the combine. People might not think a trip to Indianapolis would be super high on the list, but in February. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Let's note that in February. There are some nice, yeah, there are some fun times. I just miss in general going to a restaurant, Eric. That might be. Yeah, that's let's true. Let's just start with any restaurant. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in Indianapolis, but. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully uh, you learned something from this podcast. I'm not sure if that's possible, <laughs> but uh, hopefully you did. And hopefully it was entertaining at the same time. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a full recap of Peyton's introductory press conference, maybe some one-on-ones, maybe a little bit of some perspective here. But then we'll definitely have the Zonies coming up too. So stay tuned. I know you're eagerly awaiting. What does Eric think about what happened last season? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Until then, though, Eric, oh, we should probably announce that uh, how to get in touch with the show. I completely oh, forgot how to sorry. do I forgot to do sorry. that, Eric. Um, you can leave a voicemail, 707 Neutral. You can leave an email. Neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, which uh, a lot of you already know how to blast Eric on Twitter. That's <laughs> at Eric Dalala with an A, with an at a. Phil Milani with a PH. Very nice. Be aware that you're talking to a teenager just when you're replying. Language is very important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, language is important. So we'll be back next week. Until then, for Eric Dalla, I'm Phil Milani. This has been The, the Neutral Zone. Zone. This is Bronco Batman. And you're listening to The Neutral Zone.